Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Diva Behavior, the podcast. I'm your host, Molly Molshine, and this week we are talking all about Lady Gaga's new album and era known as Chromatica. This is Lady Gaga's sixth studio album, not including A Star Is Born, which was sort of more of a collaboration, even though the Alley songs on there were very, very Gaga, especially Hair, Body, Face. I mean, I could have totally seen myself dancing around at a club to Hair, Body, Face, unironically, when that song came out. Chromatica is a return to form for Gaga. She sort of sojourned into the arenas of jazz and adult contemporary and country and rock in the time since her last pop-centric album, Art Pop, which came out in 2013. So this is, we're coming off of a seven-year break from Gaga releasing pop music under the name Lady Gaga and not as part of the Star is Born soundtrack. So it's a pretty big deal. And I think Gaga stands and the general public alike agree that this new album is full of bops. Everyone's loving it. The reviews are good. The chart numbers are pretty good, I think. She dominated the VMAs about a month ago. She's ha- This is a good time to be Gaga. And here to talk with me all about Gaga's new era and what brought her to this point is Margot Marshall. Margot Marshall is a British drag performer who absolutely mesmerized me at a drag brunch I attended in order to celebrate getting a visa to stay in the UK in February before the entire world shut down. So I saw Margot perform at this brunch. I instantly fell in love with her sickening moves. She did choreography to Stupid Love that was absolutely out of control amazing it was better than what was in the video and i think you've all probably seen the video and you saw how good that was so just imagine margot really helped me to kind of put all of gaga's disparate eras together in a story arc so that i could make sense of why we had to go through the joanne years and why we had to go through the tony bennett years Um, Not that those years were so terrible. It was just that prior to our conversation, I didn't really understand how they fit into Gaga's oeuvre overall. And yes, you heard me right. I said oeuvre. This podcast is called Diva Behavior, and I will speak French when I want to speak French. So you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly Mulshine. You can follow Margot Marshall on Instagram at Marshall underscore. And you're definitely going to want to follow Margot and see her upcoming performance called Cabarave. It sounds effing amazing. Honestly, keep an eye out for Margot on RuPaul's Drag Race UK because the talent here is not to be overlooked, okay? I, I hope I'm not jinxing you, Margot, but I see this in your future. And if you have any questions or comments, send them to info at divabehavior.com. Feel free to send this podcast to anyone who you think would like it. Rate and review it on Apple Podcasts. You know, a good rating and review would be preferable, but we like controversy. There's no such thing as bad publicity. So, you know, something's better than nothing, but let your conscience be your guide. 
Enjoy the podcast. Some people think Diva is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Hey, great, uh, great gowns, beautiful gowns. Diva Behavior, the podcast. Hello, Margo. Hi. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. I first met you before lockdown, like a month before lockdown. Well, I don't know if we met so much as I just, you know, was in the audience of your show obsessing over you. (laughs) (laughs) No, I remember coming around because like I do my like one of my favorite bits about brunch and like drag is like teetering around the tables in the stillies and like hey to everyone before the show. I remember coming how can I forget your beautiful face? Oh, thank you so much. You're, you are way too kind. What I think I look like in drag. Like, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, I've got like an absolute cake of makeup on. But Oh, I've got an absolute cake of makeup on too, rest assured, at <laughs> all times. But what stuck out to me when, when I saw you perform was your insanely good choreography to Stupid Love. It was before it had come out. It had only leaked. And... Yeah, yeah. The video didn't come out for like another week or so. So can you tell me a little bit about that and how you came up with the moves and everything? Yeah, I mean, I was a bit naughty. Like, I'm sure if Mother Monster herself had found out that I'd stolen it, she uh, wouldn't be very happy with me. But I just, I was just obsessed with it straight away. Um, And it's always like a fight in the drag world for like who can get to the number fastest, like, and who can do it the most iconically in the first week it comes out. And obviously it hadn't even come out yet. I think the leak came out on Wednesday and I did it on a show up fr- on Friday. So That's how quick you came up with that routine? Yeah. Yeah, well, I was just obsessed with it. And, like, she writes such great hooks that, like, you only kind of need to learn the two verses and then the hook is already in your head. So, like, it didn't take long for me to learn the lyrics. And then, yeah, I was just obsessed with it. So I just, like, had it on and was, like, improvising in my bedroom and then sort of like after an hour or so, like the routine was out of me. Yeah. It was so good. It was honestly, if I do say so myself, better than the actual choreo that ended up being in the video. And I know that's controversial to say. Thank you. Um, I mean, I'm also personally not a fan of the choreography in the music video. Um, apart from this one move where she like swings her arms above her head and like does the little hop thing. Um, yeah. I like that one. But yeah, yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for enjoying it. Um, it's become one of my like staple numbers now that people It's are- so good. It's always nice when like you, a number you love becomes one that people asks for. Like oh, yeah. in so like it's, I love doing that number and it's yeah, it's nice that people seem to like it as well. I remember seeing you on Instagram saying that you were not a fan of the stupid love video. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So we're going to talk a lot about her new era, the Chromatica era in general. And I guess, yeah, let's just get right into it. What were your thoughts on the Stupid Love video? Because this was so highly anticipated. Oh, weren't we all just like gagging for it? Like we were like, come on, babes. And like, we'd all heard the song. So we were like, you just need to like, like get this going now. I, it left me really, really cold. I loved that she... I, I thought that Stupid Love was a brilliant choice off having then heard the album as the lead track, having that uh, 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 be like the first stamp of this era was really cool. It came in with like such energy and attack and the music video I loved. It was really epic. And then there was like 10 people in it. Do you know what? I was like, what a uh, girl, like, 
double up the cast then like or like do you know what I or like double the frame so it looks as like there's an army because there was like this whole desert and then like no one really there and I get what she was trying to do with like the tribes but I was like if you're gonna go that epic everything else has to be that scale or like it just felt like quite a lot of things didn't gel for me in that music video and it was a little contrived with the uh like the overacting of like, like I'm gonna bring the tribes together like I think we got the point it was just a bit heavy-handed yes like, sometimes she can be a bit heavy-handed like she's like Madonna in that regard like we're like okay girl we love you but like we get it do you know what I mean yeah definitely and yeah that was something I wanted to talk about this new era seems very focused on kindness and being kind and bringing people together and it just feels so sort of simplistic and almost a little patronizing because help is so complex like and the lyrics she's talking about and when she's been doing the interviews you know free women's about trans rights and rain on me is about sobriety and but then that none of these other narratives apart from the 911 video which is absolutely insane we'll get to that i'm sure yeah but like apart from that everything else has been quite simplistic like the rain on me video is really simplistic like the stupid love one was like yeah it seems that like all the videos and the like content she's been like actively making for it has been like this is about peace and love and kindness and when you listen to the album you're like it's about way much more than that like yeah Yeah, there's a lot of darkness on the album like 911 like you alluded to is about an anti-psychotic medication that she takes because she which I didn't even realize until I was doing research like this weekend she you know she says that when she a few years ago she had a psychotic break and everyone assumes it was the deposition for Kesha with Dr. Luke that she I guess was really triggered by that and she ended up in the hospital and now she takes this cocktail of drugs to prevent that from happening again so Papa 911 is like taking one of those pills that she's talking about so that is so interesting to me 911 is such an interesting video that to me is the Gaga that I signed up for. What are what do you think about that? Yes, like art. Like that that music video was art. Like it was like a moving sculpture. Like I know it was based on the oh I can't remember the name of the Israeli director now. But um Yeah, it was based on that movie. I had never heard of this. It's called The Color of Pomegranate or something. But yeah. I had thought that it was really referencing El Topo and Holy Mountain, these two films by Alejandro Hodorowski. But yeah. apparently, yeah, it's the pomegranate one. So now I was like, I have to do a whole new line of research into that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think like, I mean, she's always used the like, because of like her work with like Machete Kills, I think quite unlike the stuff with Alejandro. And like, she's always had like that little bit of kind of like, I don't know, <laughs> where is that like American sort of Hispanic, like, yeah, back to that reference quite often. So I think that sometimes does just naturally feed in with her, with her artistic references. But what I've, yeah, the main thing I think is this, like, pomegranate, that I need to watch that film now. Yeah, same. I first watched the music video, like, oh my gosh, she's a genius. Like, I've never seen anything like this before in my life. And then my friend was like, girl, I need to watch this film because quite a lot of it's in this film. But that's also really amazing that she's, like, really, that's one thing that Gaga does really well, is that she is very good at referencing. yeah. Yeah, which is why I think she's always, like, quite tied to the queer community because, like, a lot of what drag does is referencing. Uh, And that's what she does a lot with her artwork. 
as well. For me, it's not a bad thing that she references a lot. I quite like that from her. Like, it's just the way that she sort of works. And that's very similar to the way that, like, drag works as well. So I really get it. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah I agree. I love all her references. I love when she uses Catholic imagery because, like, she and I have a pretty similar upbringing of being, like, tri-state area Catholic uh, sort of upbringing. And, and it's very self-referential to Madonna, too, I feel like, when she does that. But she also does it in such a different way. Like with Madonna, I feel like it was all about sort of, you know, sexual liberation. And I don't see Gaga ever really fighting for that in the same way. And I don't really see when she uses Catholic and religious imagery, it's not, I don't know if it's so much in a rebellious way, right? It's just kind of like she yeah. loves the aesthetic almost. I think she loves the aesthetic. And actually what she does quite often is Gaga places herself as the nun or... Like, and like Madonna only ever really did that once on the, um, when she did the Live to Tell, she like came up on like a disco cross during the Confessions era. Um, but normally Madonna herself in that conversation, Old Father, like Live to Tell, like on the Blonde Ambition tour, or that's like, like a prayer in that music video, she's being herself talking about, you know, giving fellatio to Jesus, like. Yeah. Uh, but Gaga never does that. Like it's Gaga's never talking about her relationship with it. She like in the Alejandro video, she's playing the nun. Like she puts herself into it and uses the imagery and iconography. And I think it's more her sort of like posing questions of like who we look up to. And you know, she's Gaga the star, so she's the virgin or she's this thing. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, I think that's in, so true. More than Madonna, who like tears it apart and rips it open and tries to understand her relationship with her father and her relationship with God through the music and through the like iconography. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's such a good point. Yeah. That's how I've always differentiated it. Cause I'm a massive fan of them both. And yeah, when people are like, Oh, she's just copying Madonna. I'm like, okay, it's similar, but like they were both Catholic growing up. So they're going to both be influenced by it, you know? Right. Yeah. And it's like, they're both Italian. They both, yeah. And yeah, they are just so different. Like the way that Lady Gaga has taken the sort of blonde pop star archetype and pushed it forward, it is something different from what Madonna did. And, you know. So what made you a fan of Gaga initially? What was your first kind of encounter with her? What was my first? Well, I remember Just Dance coming out. I think I was in year eight. Oh my God, you're so much younger than me. Oh my god, why do I look older then? Ugh. You don't! Ew. Ugh, stretch this back out. Um, <laughs> I need to go and get my first round of Botox or something. Um, oh, I just did. That must be why, because I just did like two weeks ago. <laughs> ah, ah, good girl. Tell me who your doctor is. You look insane. So, what, the first one. So, I wasn't really that fussed with Just Dance. It kind of left me a bit cold, but I think it was because like that Colby guy was on it as well. I can't remember his last name. Um, but it felt a little bit like. I mean, she was with Akon then, wasn't she? So that was, it was just a little bit like too R&B, that sort of like millennial pop, like early teens of noughties that was just like, it was a little bit too manufactured. Or or not. Yeah, formulaic. Yeah, like sound to it. And like, um, but then when Poker Face came out, I was like, oh, like now she's talking. Um, So yeah, I really liked that. But I think poker face and then like I liked the rest of the album but like 
I'm not really a stan of the fame. Like, I think it's, I think it's a great, like, camp pop album. But I don't really think her writing is particularly incredible on it or anything. So that, like, didn't really, like, capture me. It was when she did Bad Romance, I was like, now she has arrived. Like, whoever this person is has now become themselves. Like, the first one is just still a... Like, and I think you can see it in her imagery. Like, I think from Bad Romance till now, you're kind of like, oh, I see a lot of the same references and the way she dresses and all of that. Like, the first album, you're like, she's finding her feet. Like, yeah. So I think for me, I loved her the weirder she got. So the second Bad Romance came out, I was like, now I'm on board. Like... I brought the Beats headphones, like, you name it. Yeah, Bad Romance was amazing. That was, like, a peak moment in my life was Bad Romance coming out. I was in college, actually, when Just Dance came out. And I I did really like it from the jump because I was sort of – it was the 2000s, and I was sort of straddling this line – which I always kind of am. This is going to sound so douchey and pretentious, but it's true. But I was straddling this line of like Abercrombie cheerleader and like hipster with bangs in an American apparel leotard. And oh my God, I live. We would have been such good friends. I definitely. Love they are and friends. like I and she came out and I was like, oh my God, this is her. This is because I was I love pop music. I love pop culture, but I also liked more indie underground stuff. And she just seemed like she was such a fusion of those two worlds. And it was a time when there was such a vibrant subculture of indie music. And this website hipster runoff was like my Bible. So I just was obsessed with her because of that. And then I just like ate it all up. And yeah, when bad romance came out was when I was like, okay, we're looking at the new, like David Bowie, you know? Yeah. We're like looking at the next icon. Yeah. Right. So did you ever have a point where you wavered a little bit? Like, how? what did you... Because, so, let's go through the the albums. There was the fame, there was the fame monster, there was Born This Way. Hit after hit after hit, I would say, right? Banger, yeah, like, progressively, boom. Like, I, I think Bad Romance is, st- is still her top-selling single, isn't it? But, like, yeah, like, Born This Way, like, racked itself off. Like, that one did brilliantly, didn't it? Like... Yeah. So it kind of like kept getting, yeah, it just got higher and higher. And like art pop after that, like that was my jam. Like I was like full on basic gay, just like, I think I was in like second year of dance school. So I'd like really gotten out of the family life, like was like living full camp realness. And like everything she was talking about on that album, I was like, yes, I so get this. Um, and I can understand why actually a lot of other people didn't. Because that album is like really gay and it is a bit tacky and it is a little bit like Euro pop. Um, mm, it is Euro, yeah. And she is being like really over the top and melodramatic. And um, and it in the same way that I think it has a lot of similar similarities to Chromatica, but the subject matter is different. She's still in that era where she's kind of like obsessed with fame, and it's like less about picking apart the subject. And I don't want to say the music, but like maybe what the music is gonna do. It was a little bit less about that, I think. Then, yeah. So I I loved that art pop, and then my kind of recline came with Joanne. It came out, and I was like, mm, I'm into Perfect Illusion. I was totally fine with her, like not dressing like a crazy person all the time, like when. 
I think she set herself up to fail, so, uh, certainly at some point when she was like, you'll never see me without heels. It's like, it's just not possible in yeah. the world to do that. Um, and like, we know when you're being performative and when people are taking horrible, like snappy shots of you. So I think I didn't mind. And I know a lot of her like cult fans were like devastated when she took off all the stuff and she was just in a t-shirt and like, I was like, rock it out, do your thing. But it, it just like lost some of its power. Like she, some charge really, I think like left her. And that married with the sort of time of like, five foot two and I just didn't I couldn't get on board with the album because of what the grandma said in it and her grandma was like why are you raking all this stuff up you've never met Joanne and I can remember thank you like yeah why are you doing this like yes the, the album were like John Wayne AO and Perfect Illusion like the ones that were like kind of like the poppy ones that had nothing to do with the Joanne narrative I think were the best on it everything else I was like Girl, this is so contrived. Like, you never even met the woman. I agree. It was very bizarre how she sort of latched on to... Because just if any listeners don't know, Joanne was her father's sister who who died very young because she had, like, a terminal illness. And I think, yeah, I agree with all that you've said. I think... Also, I wasn't really fully on board with the Tony Bennett era. I just was like, what the hell is going on? I loved the... You know, like... What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I was just like, okay, maybe like one single with an old crooner would have been really interesting, but to have the whole album, and I did appreciate all the evening wear and like the gowns and everything of that era. And and she says it in Five Foot Two. She's like, everyone's waiting for me to top myself and go like higher and higher and higher and beat what I did last. So it makes sense she had to sort of strip down and pare back. But yeah, I agree. Her grandma says, why do you have to just don't get so maudlin? And it's like, yeah, that's exactly what it was. It was maudlin. And I don't understand why she felt a need to be so maudlin. It's very interesting. And I think something else that fascinates me about this part of her life is, like you said, early in her career, she was so obsessed with fame and so obsessed with referencing pop culture, you know, in the GUY video, she has Andy Cohen as God in the Sky and a bunch of Real Housewives as like her band. She's yeah. really establishing herself in the pop culture firmament in a very self reflective way. And then I don't know what happened, but all of a sudden, it seems like now she has no interest in that whatsoever. And she's yeah. gone completely internal. And it's sort of like her Michael Jackson, man in the mirror, we are the world era, you know? Yeah, yeah. it was, yeah, it was such a sideline. And like, like I'm a massive Madonna fan. So I was like, country, do it. Like, let's hear this. You know, Kylie's done it. Like Madonna's done it. Like it's not new for a pop star to do, but there was something yeah, something really, and I and I loved that she was doing dive bars. Like she did a whole dive bar tour. I was like, that's cool. Like with someone that can sing rock and roll and play rock and roll and has the energy that she has because I think she has energy more than a pop star. She's you know when she performs, it's it's a rock star. So I was like, yes, yeah. And then the music just didn't really support any of that, and the subject matter was I think unrelatable to most people. Um, unless they've had a bereavement in their family that they feel passionately about, but they never met the person. Like, it's a right. very strange narrative to hook a whole album and era off. And then I think with the five foot two, 
just those two things coming together and like I totally like she has uh, like she deals with so much with her body and her illness but the the whole tone of the documentary was down but by the end she did the Super Bowl but it never felt like it lifted so yeah if you're coming to like I don't know like I was and I was a little younger then so I was probably like a little less understanding and was a bit like I want my gaga um but yeah I just I couldn't I just couldn't relate to any of it and like I wanted to I was like oh my god Lady Gaga's doing a you know it was going to be like Kylie's White Diamond it was going to be like Madonna's I'm going to tell you a secret like we are going to see behind the and actually it was mostly just her sort of like wandering around moaning yeah yeah it was very self-pitying and that is just I think that it's hard for that not to happen when a pop star or any celebrity produces a documentary about themselves. Like even Bohemian Rhapsody was produced by the living members of Queen and they were all woe is me. Like poor me, Freddie Mercury was more talented than me was like the theme of the film. And like, like I feel like, yeah. Podcast on that film, my God, the opinions. Same, Uh, I couldn't stand it. I could not stand that film. Yeah. I was like, we have like, it's a gay film. And I've not seen one shirtless man. Like, <laughs> come on. Anyway, sorry, back to God. Yeah, <laughs> and I loved how in the film they were like, they really implied that Freddie was this debauched sort of crazy guy going to all these parties. And they implied that his bandmates, because they were straight and married, they were these paragons of virtue in the 70s. I'm like, you expect me to believe that these guys weren't also like up to their elbows in blow? I'm sorry. This yeah, is ridiculous. Seriously. Yeah. Like, yeah. And, and then with like Elton John's coming out at exactly the same time, I was like, you just got to have a bit of honesty. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I think, um, yeah. And Gargoyle's got too honest. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. Also, I think Elton John's, when you watch, and I loved that movie. I loved Rocket Man so much. And when you watched it, you knew that he's done the work to understand why he was kind of a crappy person at certain points in his life. Whereas the people who wrote the Queen film clearly did not. And I don't think Gaga really, I don't think she was coming at her film from an objective place either because how can you it's similar to Beyonce's film which my guest last week my sister was talking about how she didn't like that one either because it's just when they have too much creative control over it and they're not at a point where they're looking 20 years in the past I feel like it's impossible to be you know accurate and authentic about what's really going on because she probably thought it was super authentic to her and it probably was super authentic to the way that she felt in that moment but yeah to the rest of the world it was not relatable whatsoever yeah it was just like I don't want to go and see this tour I don't want to see these songs like I'm not paying 90 pounds like and I uh like I was just very poor at the time and I couldn't see Ball This Way Ball but I've seen everything else and like I would have like ate it up but yeah so that era you know I get some people really like the music itself and I'm like, work. But yeah, she lost me and then she didn't lose me for cheek to cheek. I was into that moment. I do agree with you that it should have been shorter. I think she should have like, I loved that she did all the Vegas thing. I think she was setting herself up for doing A Star Is Born. I think mm-hmm. that already been in her mind. She wanted to get that Elizabeth Taylor idea out to the world. That's something Gaga I think is really good at doing is that she kind of like shows you the character that she can be with the, the work she's doing at the time she really 
<laughs> which is probably a little obsessive, but with the way pop culture works now, like it puts you in the mind frame of like, oh, she looks like a stunningly beautiful actress. She must be a stunning beautiful. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I think that was a bit related to that. And I don't think she would have probably had the success she did with The Star Is Born had she not sort of had that like quite authentic part and then, you know, doing the Oscars performance um, the Sound of Music, like, I think it really won her some industry and some, like, older, some mass market love, like, people that don't really like pop music, I think people appreciated her in a different way because of that, and, like, I grew up doing musical theatre and stuff because I was dance trained, so, like, a bit of the jazz, I was like, yes, give it to me, give it to me, <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it should have just been, like, an EP, yeah, and then she took a break, which I think she should, and then yeah, I was back. Star is born back. Yeah. Um, You're so right because she, I never put together before. I had noticed before the similarities between the Joanne era and the Allie character in the beginning of A Star is Born. But it never occurred to me that the that Allie's character arc is going into sort of that Tony Bennett era at the end, like, cause she's all glammed up at the end and everything. So she really goes through every single era that she had done through her career in the arc of that film. Oh my God. I I never noticed that before. It's really, I think that's what was so interesting and why so many people were so fascinated and like why I was so fascinated to see her play that role. Cause like, I'm a Judy Garland stan, like, Oh my God. So I was like, okay, do you think you're gonna, like, let's see it. Um, but I think they were really clever. Like, before it was, you know, Judy was famous, but, like, that film made her the icon. Gaga was already it before. Barbara was, Barbara was already it before. And what's so interesting about people going in to play those roles and then the narrative of that film is so about someone who is famous, you know. You can talk for as long as you want the cows come home, Garks, like... Ali is kind of you. Like, there's no escape from it. You've lived all the tales. Whether you felt differently at the time, that's different. But so that anticipation, I think, like, just adds a whole nother layer to that iconography. And the fact that she did that sort of, like, arc within her own career a little bit before, I don't think wasn't on purpose. Like, you know, these things, are, <laughs> like, the production of a film is always so far in advance. She probably knew, you know. She probably had an idea that she was like, right, I'm going to be a bit country and then also have this like jazzy, you know, so I think she might have like played around with it and did it on purpose to kind of like open up her career a bit before the film came along. Yeah, so true. And I think also she takes her criticism very seriously. She seems a little thin skinned, honestly. And I'm not saying that to put her down because I would probably be the same way, but Like she, I think the reason maybe why she started experimenting with genres other than pop was because the art pop era was critically panned. It was, you know, people called it art flop. And I don't understand why art pop performed so much less, you know, so much more poorly than her previous pop work. Why do you think that is? I do think some of it probably had something to do with the aesthetic. Like, that, being that experimental with pop, like, there is some really weird stuff on Born This Way in the, in the album tracks, like um, Bloody Mary and, like, Highway Unicorn, like, kind of, like, 
prelude the idea of what she's really going to do on art pop um, with that kind of like thrashy, electronic, heavy pop Mm -hmm. sound. It didn't really come out of the blue to like her fans, I don't think, because I think quite often pop stars will start to experiment on their album tracks a little bit on the later tracks in their album that kind of then give you a little taste of what possibly could be coming next, especially when they're a pop star that racks albums off as quickly as like Gaga was doing at that time. I, yeah, I th- it's, it's an interesting one. I think Applause did well and then it kind of just nosedived. I don't think she helped herself by doing a song called like, Do What You Want With My Body. Oh, with R. Kelly. R. Kelly, like, you know, which she's come out and apologized for and like, well done for her for actually being one of the few people that like said, I made a mistake then, because a lot of people have just deleted it and just like pretended they've never spoken to him. And that's something we need to change like about, that's how we counteract council culture. We just pull up our big girls knickers and we, you know, we just say, well, this is what, you know, that's what I did. And that was three years ago and now changed it. So massive respect to her on that one. But yeah, I don't think, I know, being a pop star and then sexualizing yourself and in that, you know, she had to explain the song for people to like realize that she wasn't, you know, just selling her body. And I think on a mass market, you've already lost so many people. If you've got what the song's about. So I know that probably didn't do very well for her. And then that music video couldn't go on because it was too explicit. And if you haven't got MTV behind you, you know, there's going to be a certain amount of pushback with that. Was music then taking a bit of a change and it wasn't as poppy anymore, but she was staying really, really pop. I mean, it was like, what, mid, mid-teens, was it? Like, Yeah, I guess it was around 2012-ish. Yeah, yeah, because that was just when I'd gone off to dance school. So for me, you know, I was in that really dancey, like, all the dancers loved it. Everybody I knew loved it because we were yeah. all kids. But I think generally the music started to get a little bit cooler, a little bit more R&B in the general sound of it. And like rappers were really like getting like, they were the people doing number ones, I think at that time. If I can remember kind of correctly back to what the music was sort of doing at the time. I think Uh, something happened that happened at that era that turned me off was she did a live performance at South by Southwest Music Festival where she had that vomit artist who was, she had the girl on stage throwing up different color, literally like puke. Do you remember that? No, I don't think I saw that one. Yeah, because I loved every other sort of stunt she did, the meat dress, the showing up to the VMAs in drag as a man was, I thought, the most genius thing a pop star has ever done in the history of pop. Like a man all night long. Yeah. I was like, that is drag. That is being a drag king. That's amazing. She stayed in character the whole time. It was hilarious. And it was so good. Like, she did such a good job of beating the last thing that she always did. And when she showed up to the VMAs in drag as Joe Calderon, every other pop star showed up dressed like her. Like even Nicki Minaj showed up in like the crazy sculptural outfit and Katy Perry did too. So it was like they were all playing catch up to catch up with her. And then she shows up as pared down as you could possibly get. A like she turned up in a t-shirt and jeans and a quiff with some stubble and looked like like a man that hadn't shaved and hadn't slept for a week like brilliant just yeah. brilliant. like undercut them all 
Yeah. So I think it what that was the issue. Like the next, what is the next step? I guess it's a vomit artist on stage with you. So that I guess is the problem. She had to kind of like go back and yeah, yeah. tear down a little. Yeah. Another moment when, and I have to specify, I love her obviously, but another moment when I wavered on her was her Super Bowl performance because I just, you know, when I became a fan of Gaga, I thought she's making all these really interesting sort of political statements through her art and all these interesting social statements. And she really seems to be in tune and like she doesn't care about annoying people or bothering people or making them think. And then she performs at the Super Bowl like six days after Donald Trump is inaugurated. And it's just this like Katy Perry performance of just like, Mickey Mouse, like fun, yeah, like fun stuff, fun, like great performance, great, you know, artistry and everything, but she made no statement whatsoever. And it just really freaked me out because I was like, whoa, did I have her com- pegged completely wrong? Yeah. I mean, I think it's like, it's, it's, um, I certainly thought that at the time. And I was actually discussing it with, um, uh, Melly C's manager, who's a friend of mine. Um, Ooh, and, no big deal. Uh, well, I went on tour with her last year. I was very lucky. Um, oh, amazing! But yeah, and it's it's you don't we don't even sometimes comprehend how many voices there are that aren't hers about that show because it's the most televised event in the world, and um, probably seeing where her mindset was at with the Joanne era, like I think she was being a bit. I don't know, maybe she just didn't feel like she had the strength to say something at the time. She'd probably been told she was not allowed, not allowed, not allowed, not allowed. They probably never stopped hounding her that they had to, that she had to not say something. Um, So, you know, maybe she just played it by the book because she was like, I really don't want Super Bowl to, you know, it's the biggest, it's the biggest stage in the world. Yeah. Advised event ever in the world so (laughs) I'm not that surprised but it would have been a great moment to be like you know as she leapt off the friggin thing to be like f Donald Trump or something yeah the thing is like she could have yeah she could have done something even subtle though like this was what killed me it was just so safe and it was like so sanitized compared to things that she had done in the past and you know, Beyonce, when she performed at one of her Super Bowl performances, she put her dancers in Black Panther inspired costumes. And this past year, JLo and Shakira, JLo came out with the Puerto Rican flag and said, born in the USA. They had the little girls in cages as a symbol of the border crisis. So I just was like, really, Gaga, you're not going to do anything. And even in Five Foot Two, she was like, people can read into it what they want to read into it. And it's like, but what? You're usually such a strong artist. Like, but yeah, I think she was up for A Star is Born at that time. She wanted, she was working on her EGOT mission. You know, she is. She is working hard for that EGOT girl. (laughs) Yeah. So I think that was, yeah. But that was the thing is that it just showed a side of her that was more, I think, seeking approval at a mass level that kind of disappointed me. But also, I've never, again, been in that position. And if I was getting a chance to be in an Oscar-worthy movie and someone said, you just have to behave yourself for the next three months until you get cast, or whatever the reason was, I would probably do the same thing, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we'll never know with these things, but it does, yeah. 
it's a shame. It is a yeah. shame she never said anything um, because she said so many things all the rest of the time. But then maybe we have to be like, you know what? You can't say something every time. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, it's an interesting one. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. I hadn't never thought about it, actually. I was just a bit like, oh, it's the hits. Yeah, it was the hits. It was, that's the thing. I was like, we, like, I thought she was Lady Gaga and now she's Katy Perry. Like, she's just yeah. in a banana suit playing the jams, you know? It was just like, <laughs> when I watch a Lady Gaga performance, I want it to be like a workout for my brain. Like, I want to be like, ooh, what's that? What's that? But yeah, I guess I'm asking for too much of her. She should do what she wants. But yeah, now with, the Chromatica stuff, she... Well, actually, no. Let's backtrack to A Star is Born. What were your thoughts about A Star is Born? Oh, my God. Good on you, girl. Like, where did she... Well, I, we knew she could pull something out. I was so impressed with the subtleties and nuances, though. We all know she's an actress, but she is a bit melodramatic. You know, she's very heavy-handed. We've discussed this earlier. But I was just so impressed to see... I really like pull it back that scene where she's like naked in the bathroom and she's trying to deal with him. And like, I've had alcoholism in my life and um, with some of the close people around me and to see her portray the person trying to control that other person and do it so well. Like she's obviously the situation's completely different. It wasn't my husband, but you're like, wow, to really like see that, vulnerability and the the different conversations that she was having in her head I thought was brilliant for a first for a first portrayal first feature acting portrayal absolutely brilliant I think she wrote brilliant music for it I don't think she could have done it better unless she'd like you know trained for years as an actress maybe yeah yeah and it was, yeah, I just, yeah, I loved it. I It was so funny because I saw it right when I had first moved to London is when it came out. And, you know, the ending is so dramatic and, like, heart-wrenching. She sings oh. and everyone in the freaking theater is just, like, if you're not crying, I don't know. But, like, as soon as the credits started to roll, this woman, this, like, British woman in front of me, like, it was just dead silent in the theater. And she goes, well, that was a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> was it a bit weird? No. I know it was so funny. I was just like, this lady was not ready for that level of like emotion. Yeah. And that was the only thing that she could come up with was like, Ugh, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's so I funny. mean, it's a strong film. It's got, you know, it's like, I wouldn't say, I wouldn't actually say that the film it, itself overall is heavy handed, but it's an epic. Like, yeah. it's. And almost as good as the film itself was the campaign around the film. I mean, just since COVID and everything, I miss being excited about a press campaign for either a film or an album or whatever. It was just so fun watching her and Bradley Cooper be in the press for like a year straight pushing this movie on us. I was like, yes, give me more. So with Chromatica, of course, she is now back on this pop train. So what do you think made her want to get back to dancey pop i mean well from the sounds of things um the joanne era didn't actually help her get any demons out and i think when people write sad music sometimes that's kind of what they're aiming for um or yeah they're like they're like right i'm gonna address this really difficult time in my life and that will address it and as she said in was it in the zane low interview that actually it just spiraled her more 
and she wasn't getting any of the demons out. She was just wallowing in them and rolling around in them. And I'm paraphrasing her here, but she said something along those sorts of lines. Um, and the reason that she came back to Pop was that she wanted to dance those demons out instead and take those narratives. And who's to say that they can't be to an upbeat song? That's one of the things I think I love about Chromatica is that it is Pop, but you do feel like you're in this ebb and flow world of lots of feelings and emotions. And I know as a queer person, and I'm sure in a different way, but a very similar mindset, you, what do you do when you're upset? You grab a bottle of wine, you go on a night out. Like, and I think there's a lot of that to the way she's singing in this album. And one thing I always love about Lady Gaga, and I think it's because of her theatre background as well, she's very emotive with her voice and the technique she uses with her voice, even when she's in the studio. So when you listen to the album, you're really like feeling her feelings and like feeling either her aggression or like sometimes it's not about the perfect note. She's actually putting loads of like shout onto the top of her voice or she's like putting a lot of dry fry onto her voice hands up to this guy you know she's being that person in the club so i think it sometimes can end up being more cathartic doing something that like pushes you and drives you up and i think i think she did say that in the zaylo interview that that's kind of why she like came back around to it and i certainly know that my mood completely lifted in lockdown once i had that album to listen to and dance around too. So yeah, I can totally see why she would want to like go back and do it that way. Yeah. I remember when that Joanne moment was happening and she sort of said in a few interviews, I, this is the real me. I was doing that pop stuff because they were making me do it sort of thing. And some people got mad at her, but I don't know, as someone who goes, who goes whole hog on a lot of pointless lifestyle changes, um, I like relate to that a lot. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. she she thought that Joanne was the the solution to all of her problems. And she was like, like I went vegan for three months and I was like, this is it. Like, this is me. I'm only gonna be vegan forever. I'm gonna be like a militant vegan. I'm gonna buy a t-shirt that says kale with kindness or whatever. And like <laughs> No one ever talks to me about meat again. How dare you? And then now I'm like, oh, I have my period. I need a steak. You know what I mean? So <laughs> I and like my friends would probably like agree with that. That if I pick a thing I want to do, I go insanely into it and then I get over it three months later. And I'm like, actually, meh. so I love when she did. I love that she did that, that she was like, yeah, Joanne didn't work. And now I'm just doing this what I did before you can still tell that she's kind of been on the journey though and I think that's it almost feels a little bit like Chromatica is like the kind of like okay this is my grown-up learnt reversion done of art pop there's a lot of the same sounds but like now it's actually about something and she's putting a lot more of like maybe her actual life into it or like grown-up subjects rather than like you know just screaming about Donatella or yeah. I love Donatella, though. I love that one. It's so it was, good. I love Manicure. Like, I'm a drag queen. Like, I, I'm like, put some. Uh, like, I'm so into it. But, um, yeah, I think over the whole era, I'm so, like, the whole career apart, I'm so glad we've had those. But I think from her artistic mindset, like, 
you can see the grow up in the pop music that she's now writing. Yeah. Do you know what's so crazy that I never realized is so many other musicians they go through this trajectory where they start out with these really introspective, emotive, amazing songs, and that's how they get on the map. And then they stop having human experiences, and all their music is about how hard it is to be famous and how hard it is to be on tour, and it's terrible. Yeah. And that happens with stand-up comics, too. Like, they'll start and they'll hit when they have some great material, and then all of a sudden it's all airport and hotel jokes. But with Gaga, it's really been the opposite. And... Like, Chromatica, I didn't realize until I really, really sat down and listened to it just how personal it is. And, yeah, you're right. Like, with Art Pop, that was so much – I don't want to say superficial because I hate that word, especially when it is applied to anything relating to, like, women or queer people because it's just a way that, you know, the patriarchy tries to put us down by saying we're doing superficial stuff. But, like, her music has – gone the opposite way like she went from singing about fame and about pop culture and about where she fits into that into now singing about the medication that she's on and you know her broken engagements yeah her broken engagement like yeah it's so impressive and you're so right yeah it's so often the opposite way around and I think that's what's so interesting about Chromatica yeah yeah, it's so much deeper than it sounds, which I hate also saying that too, but it just is because, you know, I mean, it's always been, people have always underestimated her because they thought that she was like Britney Spears 2.0. They thought that she was an industry plant who yeah. was completely manufactured and everything. And it makes me mad that she did have to do, you know, that defanged Super Bowl performance and the Sound of Music performance. Like, it, she did have to take her the ugliness of her experience out of it and do these sort of polished edge types of performances in order to just remind people how she is like the most talented musician working today or one of them for sure, you know, but I guess she had to do that in order to get people to take her seriously who I don't know. Like, it would be, in a perfect world, it would be cool if she was happy just having her fandom, but clearly she wasn't. Because I think Art Pop was, her fans loved Art Pop, and then she sort of branched out because she was like, no, I don't want to just be the pop girl. I want to be an everything, like you're saying, like a Barbara Streisand, Liza Minnelli kind of person. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, like, more power to her for doing that. Like, it can definitely be hard making that decision for sure. Um, so I think, yeah, good on her. And like, I guess if some people didn't want to follow her to A Star Is Born, they didn't have to. Um, yeah, um, but it's always good when an artist loops back to what they're like, what you fell in love with them for. Yeah. But yeah, doing that in a new way. So like, slay, give her all the yeah. Grammys. Give her all the Grammys. I'm obsessed. All the Grammys. It's also funny how she said, she sort of said in the Zane Lowe interview, she was like, yeah, in the Stupid Love video, half of the people are in blue and half of them are in red. So if people want to read into that a political message, they can. And it's funny because she doesn't really ever speak in bold terms about politics. 
I think the only reason it surprises me is because she has been so outspoken about like the LGBT community and everything. And and the thing that is really crazy about it is if you showed me if we went back to 2012 and you said, here's Lady Gaga, here's Taylor Swift. Who do you think is going to be more politically active 10, 10 years from now? I would be like Taylor Swift is definitely a Republican. Like she's definitely a conservative as hell. And there's no way she will ever. And only recently she started talking about it. And Lady Gaga sort of doesn't talk about it, but she does, you know, sort of show up at democratic events and stuff like that. I mean, I'm just interested in this because for my own self as a performer, it's like, you never know when to bring up politics. So with Chromatica, what do you think about the, uh, rollout process. She's had to promote it during a freaking worldwide pandemic. It's oh. really, it's just not an enviable position to bring, to be in, I guess. No, and especially with an album that has obviously taken so long to write and work on because it's so brilliantly crafted and produced and like all the different sides of it are so well done. And I think that almost is why the visuals are a little disappointing. Um, I do think that some that probably had some difficulty to it. Um, you know, not like she had to like, just, oh, okay, we can't do my idea for Rain On Me because that was going to be, I don't know, loads of bodies like touching one or blah, 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 or whatever. Um, but the rollout, I mean, it's been interesting. I think, like I said, I think the sound of Stupid Love being the first sound of this era, even if you don't love the song, I think if you listen to all the tracks, that's the open, that is the, the first sound you want to hear. And then Rain On Me, obviously, like, absolutely bossed it. She was so clever to bring Ariana Grande into it. You know, that's opening her up to a whole millennial or, like, Gen Z market that has kind of, like, missed out on the best of Gaga, in my opinion, because they were too young. Um, So I think that was really great. I, yeah, I think she, personally, I would have dropped all the singles and then dropped the album with the way that people listen to music nowadays. Um, they binge, like, we, we're bingers. We, so holding it off and, like, getting those singles out, I think 911 is never going to go flying up the charts because the people that are already obsessed with it have already listened to it millions and millions of times. Um, but obviously I'm so glad we got that music video. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a really strange one for her to have tried to navigate, you know. You can't do a press tour. So... Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that there's been less content with her going off her last pop albums. But then again, maybe she's just not wanting to do that now she's grown up, you know. Yeah, that's very possible. People were really angry about her not promoting. Um, I was just like, girl, she can't leave her house. Like, and I don't think she is one of these Dua Lipa, like, Mighty Cyrus, you know, they got on their live streams and they were, like, just chatting. Like, I don't think she is one of those people. She's, like, she's in her 30s. Like, she's not a young girl pop star that's, like, working in that and that she's never worked in that sort of, like, millennial Gen Z where... I don't know, like, that... Does that make sense? Like, she's not sort yeah. of... Yeah. Like, she... ...live streams and things. Yeah, she is one of the last 
20th century stars. Obviously, she became a star in the 21st century, but it was during the early 21st century when we were still following the 20th century blueprint. So she doesn't really do. Yeah, you're right. She doesn't do the the new media so much. And she doesn't have her personal life in the news. She's like a classic movie star in that way. You know, like we all know when she has a new boyfriend. We all know if they get engaged. We all know when they break up. But she doesn't rely on that for her promo cycles and she doesn't rely. Well, she did rely on the Bradley Cooper rumors to promote a star is born. They were definitely all yeah. in on that together, which isn't like bad or insidious or anything. It's just I mean, it's like, I thought it was camp. Yeah. This is literally what they did in like golden age Hollywood. They pretended that the two stars were like having a relationship. Like they, you know, they did it up all the way up until like Zac Efron and yeah. whatever that Vanessa, Hudgens, say yeah. Pay over that. Hudgens, there we go. <laughs> that would be a very different story. Um, yeah, you know, I think I think that was camp. I was, and she's gotten now. Yeah, I think with all of this stuff that she did, if she hadn't done the Tony Bennett album and the Joanne album and A Star Is Born, if she hadn't broadened her reach to all of mainstream America and mainstream the entire world, then yeah, she would be having to still do sort of the press cycles that people when they get to the A-list don't want to do anymore. So yeah, I guess she's just gotten to a saturation point where she doesn't have to do stuff like that anymore. So what are you hoping to see next from Gaga? I think post-Chromatica, what are you hoping for? Post-Chromatica, well, obviously we've got the tour and I cannot wait for that. I think she has- Wait, when's the tour? What are they doing? She's doing one actually? Yeah, it's all been rescheduled. Yeah, it's all been rescheduled for next summer. So I think, like, we know, I guess we know, like, the next nine, ten months of what she's going to be doing. Um, I hope there's at least one more single off Chromatica. I think it should be Alice, personally. Um, I know a lot of people that know me will be like, you didn't say Babylon, but I don't think you can have a homage track as a single. And that is obviously a homage to Vogue. And that's fine. We love Mm -hmm. a homage. But, like, I don't think that can be a single. So I hope it's Alice, because I also think, like, Alice does have a bit more mass market. It's got, like, a Berlin-y, ravey sound that's, like, really fun. Um, So, yeah, so I hope there's that. And then I really do hope she does do Funny Girl. I think it would be a real, another, like, stamp on that other side of what she does. Um, But, like, yeah, let's not dwell. I think whack out another album. I hear that there's, like, a Chromatica 2 that's it's fully remixed and that there's a few other songs on um that like sophie and blood pop did like a really experimental mix of the album and i hope she drops that as well because that would be cool insane because i'm obsessed with sophie i think they're an amazing singer and an incredible producer um like if you haven't seen their work go check them out because they're so cool um she's this gorgeous trans girl um yeah, and then after that, I mean, do I want another album? I don't know. Like, I think give us a curveball, girl. Like, she's mixed it up so much over the last few years. I think it wouldn't be a bad idea for her to get into the habit of, like, lots of big projects. Like, she's always going to have a big project each year. But maybe put one of those big projects in between each album so that it doesn't get too, like, album, 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 uh, what do I do? And then we have another Joanne. Like, 
pace yourself. Why not? Like, she's obviously absolutely still got it in her. Like, she's proved that with Chromatica. So. Yeah. Yeah, she's past her imperial period. Her first three albums were her cannot be touched hottest person in the world period. Then she had a little rebuild and now it's a return to form and she is just a staple, I think, in pop culture for the rest of her life. I think she's permanent A-list at this point, right? So, like... Yeah, I mean, how, like, Shallow has, like, completely, like, outplayed Bad Romance by Triple, you know? And that was the song she didn't write for an album. So, yeah, like, I think that has allowed her to completely loosen up. So, like, Gaga, if you're listening, just do the thing. Like, do do whatever you think is going to work. Because, obviously, you know, Star is Born, absolute perfection. Chromatica, absolute perfection. And I think her having that down with Joanne possibly was the... Bre- yeah, you need to topple your imperialist days to be able to just carry on with your career, I think. Do you know what yeah. I mean? yeah. So what's next for Margot Marshall? What am I doing? Oh, well, now the world's sort of back open, until 10pm at least. Uh, <laughs> yeah, started uh, a couple of my own nights. So I have one called Cabaret, um, which is like a underground, um, sort of like Weimar Cabaret meets Berlin now. So it's high energy. Um, we do bottomless drinks. Um my partner's gin is in the, we do it with um, Butler's gin. So it's absolutely stunning gin and tonics um, or his new sparkling wine. So it's like full, full affair. When and where is this? It's on the 17th of October. So it's not far away actually. Um, And it's like 25 pounds. So if you follow me on Instagram, which is at M-A-R-G-O Marshall, underscore um the details of that because it's a little underground so there's no official website for it Ooh. Um, yeah it's like you have to you have to ask for an invitation and then you get it it's all legal don't worry everybody um but yeah you have to ask for the invitation on instagram you'll find the link in my bio so yeah so i'm running that event and then um yeah just doing the other gigs that i normally i normally do which is really cool so but yeah all the information for all the shows I do are on my Instagram. So please help a gal out and follow me on Instagram. <laughs> yeah, support the arts, unless they're opera and ballet, because they don't need it. Yeah, oh my God, they don't need it. They already have all the Tories money, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Some people think divas. Is a diva to you. Would you say, are you one? I never said that. Diva behavior. Great gowns, beautiful gowns. Diva Behavior, the podcast.